0: Now, there's some interesting things, um, and I'd like to start off by just reading a couple uh, verses or more out of um, the book of Job. If you turn to the 28th chapter of Job, it says, Surely there is a vein for the silver and a place for gold where they find it. Iron is taken out of the earth, and brass is molten out of the stone." He setteth an end to darkness, and searching out all perfection, the stones of darkness and the shadows of death. This is important for the teaching that we're going to do today, because we have to understand as we look at the earth as a planet, as a place of habitation, it also in another way represents a house, a house where the inhabitants of this world live. And we also understand uh, that our own bodies have been referred to as a house and as a temple and if we apply some of these particular references in the way uh, that that uh, will be very interesting tonight, uh, we will see that uh, there is a vein there is a path uh, there is a <clears throat> particular uh, reference, a, a particular um, method, a particular revelation, uh, a particular way to be used, um, that all these different elements uh, can be said to fit in. It mentions uh, a vein for silver, a place for gold, iron, brass, uh, stones, uh it's going to go right along with what we want to teach tonight, and, uh, and I think be very inspiring. So if we, if we skip down a little bit to verse 5, As for the earth, out of it cometh bread, and under it is turned up as it were fire. And the stones of it are the place of sapphires, and it hath dust of gold. After having said all of that it makes this this next statement which is just absolutely superb. Verse 7 chapter 28 of Job. There is a path which no fowl knoweth and which the vulture's eye hath not seen. This is particularly interesting because even at this time that Job wrote a lot of lifetimes had gone on. A lot of great and powerful men had lived. Nevertheless, there was reserved a path, a vein, if you want to call it that, where no fowl had awareness of. And the vulture's eye, with all of its keenness and capabilities, had never been able to see it. That's sort of along the line of things we want to talk about tonight. Going on down into this chapter, verse 12, we Job 28, verse 12, But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man knoweth not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. The depth saith, saith it is not in me, the sea saith, it is not with me. It cannot be gotten for gold, neither for shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophor, or with the precious onks or the sapphire. Now, we're talking about several different things here. We're talking about, on the one hand, the element. And then on the other hand, we're talking about the value of the element and the capability of the element to have value for purchasing certain things, things that can be purchased, things that cannot be purchased, even with gold or silver. So in this setting, we have the vein with all these elements. And there's gold, and there's silver, and there's brass, stones, and there's earth out of which comes bread, like out of the wheat, out of the hay. And we have all of this revelation that is available, but then there is the question, okay. Okay. But what is the the final metric? What is the final sum? What is the final application? What is the price? Let's not think in terms of money. Let's think in terms of something that is divine, like a divine dynamic. Let's think of this divine dynamic as having a capability to turn something on that is just not capable of being turned on by the circuits that belong to the fowl and the circuits that belong to the vulture's eye of seeing. They can't turn it on and we could say that those represent people, but let's not be that unkind. Let's just say that it represents a undeveloped and a perhaps even pagan way of, of thinking. People still not having advanced, people still not having uh, gone beyond uh, their state. And um it says um, where shall this wisdom be found? where is the place of that understanding okay we're going to uh, we're going to uh, we're going to take that on a river trip and and when we're done here today uh, you will be I think quite caught up with um, all of the things that we want to talk about. Before we leave chapter 28, let's look at one other verse here. He putteth forth his hand upon the rock. He overturns the mountains by the roots. What unusual language. Who ever thought in terms of mountains having roots? But, you know, when you think in terms of what Jesus said, if you have the faith in your heart, you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. And we know that he always spoke in parables, and he's not trying to, to uh, get people motivated to go around uh, tearing down mountains. These mountains evidently represent forces and powers and energies. And here in this scripture, just sort of tucked in, waiting to be found like a pearl, is this revelation he overturneth the mountains by their roots. Who would have ever thought of overturning a mountain by the roots? We would think more along the line that you'd have to sort of mow down the mountain from the top down or from the, the side and cave it in. And uh, But who would think in terms of um, overturning the mountain? In fact, who would even think of overturning the mountain? But here we see a revelation, a deep, deep revelation revelation of wisdom and it's referring to this this revelation that, is, that is, is not going to be understood by the vulture, it's not going to be understood by the fowl, this revelation that is a deep ranging revelation and it's going to only be seen and understood at a certain place where wisdom, spiritual wisdom can be found and that spiritual place of understanding So, when we get into this and we begin to say, wow, there is then a revelation, a manifestation about how mountains can be overturned and they are, under, they are overturned by their roots. When we get into the root of the knowledge of the element of the situation and the consideration of what the history spiritually means by being converted from the parabolic to being converted to the example of reality. So that these things that are being said are not just being said foolishly or poetically or in vain, but they have real application. We can overturn a mountain and we can do so through understanding that we have to get to the root in order to under to in order to turn that mountain and cast it out into the sea of life. So many, many times, the root of something can be a powerful person. Jesus said, I am the root and the offspring of David. So if that can apply to him, in the counter world it can apply Uh, to other things. It can apply to the forces of darkness, to the principalities of darkness, to Satan. And if we want to overthrow the root of something that has become a mountain, sometimes we have to go to the source. We have to go to the root. And we don't stand there ignorantly with a pick and a shovel trying to pick away this mountain that would take us our whole lifetime to pick away, we will never overturn the mountain with that pick and shovel. We have to overturn it by going to the root. Now, that's all part of the things that we want to talk about here today. But I've got some more goody-goody stuff here. Um, Let's look at uh, chapter 26. And this is is beautiful. Verse 7. He stretches out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. He stretches out the, the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. I've heard these saying, you've heard it, that um, anything that is void is uh, There is just a law to fill that void. Jesus once referred to this person who had had demons and he had cast out the demons. And he said, now, it's very important that this person do something about filling the void that is there. Now that these demons are out, this person has got to take and fill that empty place because... If she doesn't fill that empty place, then the demon that was cast out is going to go and get seven other demons, and it's going to be stronger, more powerful than before the first one was ever cast out. So there has to be an understanding of the meaning here in this scripture. He stretcheth out the north over the empty place. If that concept works, In the counter world, then it also works in the opposite of it because everything has a positive and negative, everything, you know, has a plus, has a minus. That's the real and the counter real. And God is looking in the place within us that is not filled with our own ideas with our own ambitions, with our own likes and dislikes. And that is just so full of notation, so full of ideas that are wrapped around other ideas that there's no room, no room in the end, so to speak. And this is not the place where God is going to do the work on a universal scale. This is not the place where God is going to do a, a work even on an earthly super scale. But when he finds that place in you that is been made open... And then you are reaching out for it to be filled by the Holy Spirit. That's when God can come in and stretch out over the north, the empty place, and he can hang the whole world, the earth, upon nothing. Wow. That means that anything and everything that is a part of that world, the earth, than anything that ever was that anything that is that anything that is to be that when this kind of a of an event takes place it is wrapped into the revelation of the empty place receiving the revelation and it being filled with that revelation and it giving the capability to hang The whole sphere, the whole world, the whole earth, upon nothing. Oh, we understand gravity to an extent, don't we? Of course, even the scientists and mathematicians will tell you that gravity is still a puzzle. They're not quite sure. Now look at verse 9. He, referring to God, holdeth back the face of his throne and spreadeth his cloud upon it. He compasseth the waters with bounds until the day and the night come to an end. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. That is so absolutely unfolding. That is so absolutely beautiful. How many people can understand That the face of God's throne has been held back. The Bible talks about principalities and powers and thrones. The Bible talks about God's people being able to sit in those thrones. But the Bible also, right here, talks about that revelation being held back and a cloud. Being spread over it, the bounds have been have been hindered. The grind of night and day go on and on and on, come to one end and another end, and one generation passes to another generation, never conquering, never understanding how to. Bring down the mountain by the root of the mountain. Never understanding how to make the emptiness that needs to be made so that the fullness of God can abide there. Never understanding how that the very face of the throne, which means so many things, kingship, queenship, the power of the seven thunder revelation. That the full revelation has been held back. It's been held back for generations. And this now I do believe that God is, has raised up the manifest ministry to manifest the face of the throne. And to remove the cloud that has been upon it. Praise be to God. So these are beautiful times, and these are beautiful moments, and these twinklings belong to us if we will only accept it. Now going back into the Bible again, First Chronicles chapter 28, David with all the his mistakes and sins, his goof-ups, he still had a way into God. Chapter 28, verse 12 talks about a pattern. How the, all of this pattern, which was the house that was to be built and the corks for God that the pattern was from the Spirit and it entailed and detailed a lot of revelation. And we see that as we read that in verse 12. And the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord and of the chambers round about, of the treasures of the house of God and of the treasures the dedicated things. Now I want you to really take an understanding that there is a distinction, and I want to make that here as I get into this teaching a little further. There is a distinction between items that are elements that can be used even in the temple, but are not necessarily dedicated items. So keep that in mind, because the dedicated item and and the other kind of treasuries do have a separation just based on those merits. Now, interestingly, in uh, chapter 28, 1 Chronicles, it goes on in verse 14, He gave of gold by the weight of things of gold. For all instruments of all manner of service, silver also, for all instruments of silver, by weight, for all instruments of every kind of service, even the weight of the candlesticks of gold, and for their lamps of gold, by the weight of every candlestick, and for the lamps thereof, and for the candlesticks of silver by weight, both the candlestick and also the lamps thereof. And then he goes on, and he talks about all the different furniture and various instrumentations and even gets into the the gold um, for the pattern of the chariot, of the cherubims. And all of this was prepared by the Spirit through David for his son Solomon to have so that Solomon could build this. Wow. That's important for you to keep that in mind because You'll see why it all fits, why it all comes together, and it all has has a part and a place. Now, in um, the seven thunders, manifest chronicles before Jesus, uh, before Genesis, revealed by Jesus, the Interesting things that I want to read to you can be found on page um, 107, and I'm just reading a little, little small thing here. But I would tell you that this uh, revelation that I read to you of Job and of David and revelations given by Jesus were many, many times in parables. But those parables are not to be looked at lightly. They have deep renderings. Now, we will call this a parable. In this uh, First Thunder, page 107, it says, this is about the third paragraph down, Every several seasons there was held on Thelastica an exhibition of remedies. This was a time of healing, of coverage, and of courtships. Whosoever was recognized or supersensitive in identifying and being able to self emanate luminescence, spiritual radiation, or vibration came to the exhibition. Now, this is very, very important because we're going to make some comparisons here after a while how that different people have different kinds of gifts, which are like having different kinds of elements. And these elements are not the same. Silver and gold are not the same. The stones are not the same. The iron is not the same. These are different elements. But at this particular time on Thelastica, during this time of the Exhibition of Remedies, a time of healing and of comforts. Whosoever was recognized or super in identifying and being able to self emanate luminescence, spiritual radiation or vibrations came to the exhibition. And what it means is they be- came to be involved to share Their gifts. Now we can see from this parable, if we want to call it that, that different people in this exhibition of remedies had different kinds of gifts. And they wanted to come to help for healing people and comforting people and even help directing people in their courtships and whosoever was recognized or super sensitive it is just a fact that there are people known to have gifts and not all not all of these gifts are the kind that are listed in the gifts of the holy spirit in the bible but they do represent people who are very super sensitive and can not only identify Uh, people having needs and problems, but they are able to emanate uh, a particular kind of luminescence. Or others may be able to radiate a spiritual radiation or vibrations that, that do help people. And we want to make a comparison here today about all these different kinds of gifts that people have, how that they compare to the gifts of the Bible, and what are the different levels of these gifts. If someone is um, operating a gift, uh, and uh, say that person uh, uh, has a gift of intuitiveness, how does that compare uh, with some of the other gifts of the, of, of the Holy Spirit. We're going to get into that, and it is going to be interesting, I assure you of that. But this super-sensitive ability, it has been said that pe- some people are born with it. They just have it when they're born, and it develops as they as they grow older. Now we can say, no, I don't believe that. And you have the right to to, to go ahead and say that if you want to. But there's a lot of people out there that will say, well, I believe it because I, I was affected by it. There are people that have a, ray, a way of, um, of giving out radiations just, just from their body auras. Uh, there are people that, that, that put out vibrations like virtues. And um, they may not go to your church. They may not believe just like you do. In fact, where the wood came from, for the special sacred furniture of the of the house, uh, hard to say what part of the forest that it came from. And it's sort of the same way on earth. hard to say what part of of a life and how unusual that maybe that life had lived. Maybe that life had never been exposed to the kind of religious upbringing you've had or never been exposed to to the revelation of the meaning of the scriptures. Maybe that life, uh, you know, is what it is, how it is, Because it is. Hard to accept that sometimes. But I'll tell you this. If you leave the space empty, something will fill it. Now, we have to decide, you know, is this something good or something bad? And we're going to talk. We're going to get interested in many different insights on this whole thing. Now um, we um, we want to also talk about page three ninety seven, the Pentad, and the sixth thunder, page three ninety seven. This is in the um, the Manifest Chronicles book by the Manifester, the seventh thunder speak. It says there is a physical reason and logic. There is a spiritual reason in logic. The one is oft times not compatible with the other. Physical logic is bound to physical laws which spiritual logic is not bound. Physical logic can be overbounded by spiritual logic without overturning physical reasoning if care is taken in the use of these energies. Logic is arrived at In the physical, by observation of things that seem to occur naturally in nature. Reason is the ability to assess nature's production. By its outcomes of formations, fabrications, declarations that form results by which to utilize acquired sensible opinions and equations of explanation. Wow. Wow. And then Hexad goes on, as every aura soul being has a spiritual house, every aura soul signal being branched out into the physical is assigned a physical body house. Such a house is more than just an abode. It entails the first orders of relationship boundaries, which is the physical body house. There are second and third orders of relationship boundaries, which are sequentially the spiritual mind consciousness the spirit and the spirit's essence. Now these are the things that is so important that we cover, that we talk about. These boundaries, these separations between the spiritual and between the physical. We can't kick out all the physical remedies, all the physical revelations, because the human being is a compound person. Mean, meaning part physical and part spirit. So it's very important to understand that as a human, the body of the human has requirements in its remedies for, for physical things, and sometimes even physical logic. That the spirit has need of spiritual things, and that sometimes there is an overlapping of the boundaries and that can be very, very good and very, very spiritually profitable and physically profitable when those overlapping of the boundaries take place. But to even understand that there are boundaries that separate the circuits between the physical and the spiritual is absolutely important. It is the, the above the vulture eye mentality and the eye of the fowl. It is above that mentality. It steps into the scene to the root of matters, like overturning mountains by going to the root to do it. It is the hand from within you that reaches out through the cloud and and strips away the cloud from the face of the throne and says, I want to see this. This belongs to my peace. This belongs to to my future. This belongs to my revelation. This belongs to the gifts that God has ordered for me to have. I just need to know how to fit them in. And that's what that is all about and why you have to have that and why it is so absolutely necessary. I don't know how many of you persons... May have seen a sort of scientific movie. It um, it actually was quite a movie. It wasn't something that just hit the common screenways that your major movies do, but it did it did get a following, and it's called What the Bleep Do We Know? And uh, <clears throat> I remember going to that and seeing it and being quite impressed with it. And I just, you know, pulled out some of my notes here. Um, one of the real vivid scenes in that particular movie showed photographs of water water molecules that had been exposed to different thoughts and tensions, or intentions, rather. Okay, let me say that again. One of the scenes that was very spectacular was about photographs of water molecules that had been exposed to different thoughts and intentions. On a bottle of water on which the word love was written, the molecules formed beautiful crystals. Well, we saw this actually happening. Another bottle received the words, you make me sick. I want to kill you. The water molecules were shapeless and sorrowful looking. Likewise, in a self-loathing moment, Amanda sees herself not as a beautiful, curvious woman, but as grotesquely misshapen with huge lips and thighs. But then, in an, in an epiphany, she moves from self-loathing to self-love. In a beautific state, she draws all over her chest, arms, and legs a beautiful scrolling vine, With hearts and the words, I love you, growing out of it. Well, guess what? Of course. What a difference it made (coughs) in the reaction of how the water molecules looked. There's a lesson there. There is definitely a lesson. Today, um, (coughs) many things are not understood about quantum physics. But... Um, even the founders of quantum physics felt that the quantum theory had turned the world inside, out, and upside down. So I think that that has a lot of truth to it. I think that, uh, that uh, there is a search on and people are realizing that They must find uh, each person's consciousness. And that there is a power or a probability of influence there that has substance and is a part of the physical domain. And that that capability carries itself even across time and space. Now, we're not trying to be and Newtonian, we're not trying to be Einsteinian. We're just telling you that these kind of thoughts and statements and scientific rhetoric are popping up everywhere about the consciousness and the physical reality being deeply related. And I don't think that, that we can deny the relationship between consciousness and reality, even though it is very, very complex. Now, let's go on just a little bit in our thoughts here, just go a little deeper. Um, It has been said that the particles that make up the nucleus of an atom vibrate in and out of existence. Can you imagine that? Something vibrating with such vigor and energy, that it vibrates it out of existence as the humans understand it. As one of the founders of quantum physics once put it, atoms are not things, they are only tendencies. Wow. Wouldn't it be incredible to open the world, open the galaxy, open the universe, to understand these tendencies? Wouldn't it be incredible to get to the root of the mountain? Wouldn't it be incredible to get to that place where you can remove the cloud over the throne? Where you can see the face of it for once and for all? Wow. Experiments have found that particles can appear in two places at once. We've preached on that, we've taught on that, and that has a lot of very interesting connections. Especially when you think in terms of dimensional applications. And that at the one side you have the physical reality, on the other side you have the contrary reality of that physical reality. And that for each divide and separation of those various boundaries, you have also a divide and separation that applies to the contra of those so-called realities. And that is important for our teaching because you can't know what you're doing unless you sometimes weigh it. Just like David was given the instructions, okay, weigh this gold, gold, weigh the silver, and put exactly this much covering on this piece of furniture. Don't put more, don't put less. It all had a meaning to to it. It was as significant as the handwriting on the wall, but it was contra to the handwriting on the wall that was seen by the fellow who had been judged by it. closer we look at some of these things you know the stranger it does get that is that is to me why it is so interesting this consciousness experiment that various scientists are trying to go into is said to be so potentially capable of tendencies That, in the sense of quantum theory, you can go backwards in time, as well as going forward in time. That's a boatload of distinction for you that deals with both the past and the future. So, the dynamic, the divine dynamic, the physical dynamic as we think about the aspect of quantum physics, is that consciousness of the observer affects the reality seen. And this is a big, big thing in the world of quantum physics, that to observe by trying to to measure an observation changes what it is that you are trying to observe. And that has some interesting interesting things in it. That would certainly go along with, well, if that is the case, then no wonder that the fowl has never seen it. No wonder that the vulture has never seen it. Because at any moment that a fowl or a vulture would look at something to observe it, bam, instantly, it would change so that it would not be the same to be able to be viewed, and to be able to be measured, and to be able to be understood. But you know, I, I, I know that in the New Testament it talks about that, you know, there are glories, you know, that there, there's a wisdom that common wisdom has never touched. There are, there are people that whose eyes have never seen, whose ears have never heard whose mouths have never spoken because they are at their wit's end, so to speak, their limit's end. And they, they haven't been able to go beyond that. They, there is a circuit across their path that becomes a boundary that says do not cross. But there are those who have crossed those circuits, who have crossed those boundaries. And I believe they are the person that are persons who are enabled to be able to see these things that others have not seen and to witness these things that others cannot hear and cannot sense. And I find that so absolutely interesting, so absolutely mind-boggling, but yet so wonderfully real, just absolutely wonderfully real. Okay. Now we want to we want to go to um, to the Bible, and uh, we want to look at um, a couple interesting uh, things that I have to read uh, from your, your from the Word of God, from the Bible. And um, if you just get your Bibles out, uh, we'll put you right on here in a few minutes, and you will know where to go. Okay, um, let's look, uh, let's start off with uh, the book of Matthew. Turn with me to the book of St. Matthew. And um, let's look, um, let's look for instance, chapter 13. And let's look at... um, verse 47. This is what it says. Matthew 13, verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. Now what I want to show you here that this comparison that is being made is about the kingdom of heaven. And in this parable revelation, it likens the kingdom of heaven unto a net, a lattice, we could say. And this action taking place of this Net being cast into the sea. Sea like being the world of people. And then you can get the picture in your mind. The the net is drawn up. And everything that's in it, that's been caught in it, is brought up to the sides of the ship or brought to shore. And the process involves gathering of every kind of every kind. And this I think is so important that the kingdom of God compares to this. Be very careful about standing back and because someone else's revelation is different than yours, someone else's gift is different than yours, someone else's divine physical or spiritual philosophy is different than yours, of making a judgment on those people by saying, Oh, that's not right How I received it is this way. You cannot compare what is right based on your own measure. The Bible says that. You cannot measure yourself and expect everyone to measure how you measure. Because your measurement may not be by a long shot what the ultimate plan of God is for where he's planning on bringing his people. So as we... Go up this spiritual incline, and we look at the scripture, and we understand that this kingdom of heaven, being likened to a net, likened to a lattice, cast in the sea and gathered of every kind. Now, what we do have to do is choose for ourselves what it is that fits the criteria of what we are fishing for of what we are looking for or what we are needing you may pull something in and it might be an incredible antique that just happened to be brought in by the net an ancient piece from Babylon or Greek or Greece and you might just have on your mind a certain kind of a of a fish a certain size a certain weight a certain um, species and everything else you might say okay get it out of here separate it throw those away put them back in you may cast them away as bad because they don't fit the good plan that you had in mind someone else might use that same type of net and bring in those uh, two or three of those antique pieces, and they would just absolutely be sent. They would be so excited because that was a dream. That was something they were looking for. They're big into trying to understand history and trying to understand the application of that history in a sense of past affairs of men. There could be many, many different applications and different needs because of gathered of every kind. But you have to throw away and dispose of what does not fit what you need. You haven't t- time to try to be everything to everyone or everything to every idea. What you need to do is do the work that God by the Spirit has revealed to you to do. So when David was received the revelation by the Spirit and a pattern, that pattern wasn't about any other house. That pattern wasn't about any other concept. That pattern was specifically about the house and there were involved some signs in that that had references to some very deep and wonderful things. But it was all from being on that subject. All from being involved in in the substance of the same revelation, and if he tried to put anything else in, it would just be distraction and noise. Now, let's look at uh, let's look at verse fifty-two, same chapter. We're talking from the thirteenth chapter of Matthew, verse fifty-two. Therefore, every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Now this is going into something slightly different, but very interesting. If you are a scribe, if you are a person who you are by your life because the Bible talks about us being living epistles if you are by your life writing your life gospel of of what you believe to be truth and what you believe to be the acts that you are to fulfill if you are in that category and there are lots of people in that category and you've been instructed by your experience in life, which may be different from someone else's experience, by your insights, by your dreams and visions and, and signs and wonders, which may, again, be different than what others have had. But you've had that. And you're sort of like coming to this, this exhibition of the remedies. You have things to radiate and to share. You have things to vibrate and to energize out. You you have healing and compassion to give. Then you are compared to being like a householder. And in that house, which is your temple, your body, you have... The capabilities of having treasures of things, both new in the sense of not only what is presently new, but what is futurely new, and old in the sense of not only recent past, but ancient past. You have that within your own body and own consciousness all that has to happen is for you to cross over that boundary that the fowl cannot cross over that the that the vulture cannot cross over and when you do that and you have the right to do that then you are allowed to enter in through the memory of that consciousness and this is specifically Bible. For the, the Bible tells us that when God gives us this Holy Spirit, this Holy Ghost, that this Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost will bring us into the memory of all things. We have been promised that this Holy Spirit gift will will enable us to remember things that we have forgotten and no longer even understood as still existing or having ever existed. And you're a householder in that. And right now, you have that capability once you become star-spangled with the twinklings of the glory of God. And you no longer are willing to sit still and let bygones just be bygones or the present just be a hole in the ground but you have decided you are going to go forward and you are going to move that mountain which seems sometimes impossible but you're not going to deal with it by the gravity of its size you are going to overthrow it by the root wow and you are going to enter through that cloud that has obscured the face of the throne, and you are going to remove the glass darkly so that you can see these things presence to presence and spirit to spirit for once and for all. Now, God wants you as a personal scribe Of the kingdom as a person instructed by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to begin to be thinking about being a householder that you are and having the capability which you do with the slightest little trigger to bring forth out of the treasure things both old and ancient new and future. That, to me, is excitement. That, to me, is potentiality. That, to me, tells us that we can go into the revelation of David and we can not only deep into it on what the wane is of this gold and silver, of what the use of the different elements are and how that they have been applied And that in the sense of being applied, they have the differentiation of being dedicated items, having been dedicated as elements, versus other elements that exist and are used in the common sense, but are not dedicated. And from that standpoint, that is a whole new insight into the potentiality of revelations that are page after page, opening, opening, and opening. So that even as we look at this revelation given by the Spirit to David, we also are able to see there is something very special about the chariot of the cherubims. And there is a revelation there. And it's sort of like a picture on the wall or a banner on some kind of a curtain and we just suddenly look at it and we just go into it and become so a part of it that the lattice net of our mind begins to encapsulate, encapsulate it and draw it in from out of the sea and make it one of the precious, virtue-giving revelations that helps us go up the acclivity of that future state of mindfulness and and state of consciousness that God wants us to have and to be in. All right. Now, turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Okay. Beginning with... um, Verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. Laborers can also mean workers. Keep that work idea in mind. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given to me as a wise master builder. Now there are are people that are builders. Builders. But they can be a builder and not be a master builder. And they can be a builder and not be a wise builder. But in this combination of compounded revelation, wise master builder. I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than is laid which is Jesus Christ. Now, here is a very important crossing in the road of doctrines. A lot of people misunderstand this part of the scripture. And they think that every time that somebody is building on the foundation that they necessarily then are not building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. But that is not what the scripture is saying here. The scripture is saying that we have to be very careful of what we do build on it. But it is not saying that what we build upon it is equal to the foundation or is a foundation. In fact, it is making it really clear that the foundation and what is built on it are two distinct separate things. And so it says, verse 11... For other, for other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So, you don't have to worry too much about these people that think that they're building foundations. Because they don't have the scope. They don't have the insight. They don't have the energy. They don't have the stamina. They don't have the power to really build what it really means by the revelation of the word foundation. So I wouldn't even worry about these people that that claim that think that they're building a foundation. They don't even know what they're talking about. Now, verse 12, if any any man build upon this foundation of Jesus Christ, and it's gold, if your works that you are building as a hopefully wise master builder, builder, are works of gold. You're building those, not as a foundation, you're building those as works upon the foundation. And they could be silver works, or precious stones, or wood, or, or hay, or stubble. Wow, that there is an incredible revelation here. you imagine having stubble and that being built and put upon the foundation of Jesus Christ? Well, tell me this. Which would be the greatest miracle? Later in this scripture, it talks about that every man's work will be will be burned uh, 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 and tried by fire. Let's say that your works are called stubble. And you are building this stubble upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And other people are looking at you and saying, Oh my, this is not of God. This person's is of, of Satan. Look it. This person has brought stubble and is building out of stubble on top of the foundations of our holy Jesus Jesus Christ. And you may want to blaspheme that person. But I tell you, step back, watch out, be careful. Do what Jesus said. Judge no man. Say, oh yeah, but now look at what I've been building. <laughs> the works that I'm doing are all out of gold. They're out of gold. And you may really feel that you're you're way up there. Or someone else may say, Yeah, look at mine. I may not be gold, but I'm close. I'm silver. These are my works. These are my gifts. And you could go right through the list. Some people would be precious stones, like the stones that that call out of the beams in the ceiling, like the stones that would call out of the out of the walls of Jerusalem you may feel like you know you have this gift to be able to speak and 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 bring forth discerning and then there's there's wood and hay and some will say well you know some beautiful things can be made out of wood but some people say oh hey what why would anybody want to build hay, to build a master plan with hay as works upon the foundation of Christ? Well, here's what it says in the next verse. Verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest. So I want you to get a hold of this. You don't need to do it. This is going to be done by the Holy Ghost. You don't need to make manifest every man's work. That's not something that God is calling anybody out there as judges judges to do. For the day shall declare it. That's not your name, I'm sure. Your name's not called day. Because it shall be revealed by fire. I'm sure that's not your name either. Your name's not day, your name's not fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, that is after after saying that some of this work is wood, hay, and stubble. You would think that the writer would have said, of course, we're not even considering anything other than the gold, silver, and the precious stones. All this other stuff—wood, hay, stubble—that's <laughs> not even in the comparison. No, but it does not say that. It does not. It does not say that. It does not make that comparison. Are you hearing me? I hope you're hearing me. Okay. So here we go. We're gonna we're gonna bring the rest of this into it. Now, chapter 3, verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. The fire is going to do that. Now, listen to this. Let's say the fire comes to the gold and the silver and just melts it down. Let's say the fire comes to the precious stones and just so dries it out they just crack. Let's say the fire comes to the wood, the hay, and the stubble. Well, let's say especially to the stubble. But let's say that a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thing happens. You would expect the, the stubble just to go up like it was nothing. But the scripture says that it's going to be manifest what sort of work that it is. Even if it's stubble, it may be a special kind of work And only God can judge what that work is. And when God judges that work and he looks at that, and he puts a Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and a fourth man comes in standing in the fire, and the stubble does not burn. Maybe the hay doesn't burn either, or the wood. But all the things that people expected would not be as much affected by the fire and would surely be able to somehow stand the test not expecting for the silver and the gold to be melted and and, and become a little dripping puddle that's going down to a deep, deep uh, hole uh, in the ground. We don't know. Only God really knows. We don't know. Only God really knows. Now, what I want to do is I want to show you from my teaching of this thing of divine dynamics. How that there are people out there that have different kinds of gifts. Some of these gifts may be just natural gifts. Others may be spiritual. Others may be uh, super sensitive capabilities that certain people have some people have gifts of premonitions and they see things before they happen but they are not necessarily people who are following uh, Bible teachings because that's just not something that they've been really exposed in the right way to but they but they they do seem to have this gift of Premonitions. And then there are people, just even common, regular people, that have intuitions. And they just have this gut thing that they know that there's a danger or they know that there's something wonderful getting ready to happen. And and, and so many times they're just absolutely right on. And then there are the people with the, under the name of various kinds of titles that are discerners. And they just seem to be able to discern the need of people. Now, hear me on this. Hear me what I'm saying. Hear this out before you jump to any conclusions. When you throw the net into the sea, everything is caught up in the lattice, which that lattice, it says, is the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of heaven. And it's going to pick up everything, but you have to sort what it is that fits for you, is right for you. Some of the stuff will be bad, but some of the stuff will be good. Some of the stuff will be not useful. Some of the stuff will be useful. I know there's people that want to say, well, if it's not one of the gifts of the Spirit, then it's of the devil. Dear friend, if you are a friend, I want to tell you that that kind of thinking is totally not Christ-initiated. And there's no Bible to back that up at all. None. Zelch Zero. There are dozens upon dozens upon dozens of instances throughout the Bible in which God has has claimed and dignified and made issue of his spirit using a particular person to do a particular thing that is not of a divine gift type of origin or use. So, I want to look at these things, and and, and what what would I say Um, as we talk about these foundation constructions or works? um, I like to think of the gold as being deep manifest, deep manifest revelation. I like to think of the silver as being spiritual gifts. I like to think of the precious stones um, as being... I think I would put it in with that déjà vu, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Because that gets into uh, a subconsciousness design and a memory thing. And I think that the wood could be applicable to the discerners. And hay could be those that are linked as Persons of intuition. And I think that the stubble could be persons that just on occasions, they don't know why, they don't know the when it's going to happen, but they just get premonitions of things. And that's what they have. And that's what they use. Now, are these evil people? Well, when we start start talking about evil people and good people, Would you just like to show me a window so I can look through it and see where all these good people are? Jesus said, Be careful about calling anybody good. (laughs) I certainly do understand his language. And if we have to be careful about calling anybody good, then on the counter side of it, we have to be careful about calling anybody evil. We're best just to go about our business doing what we understand without trying to make everybody conform to our ideas I think there are there are gifts that have been given to people some of them are natural some of them are are uh, from out of the psyche of the human being I think in within the psyche of the human, human being I don't think that that makes them psychics I'm not talking about psychic but I'm saying that from out of the psyche of the human being there are all kinds of potential things that are roaming around in the subconscious uh, areas, and that have potentiality uh, to still advise us of things. Uh, I- I've had the deja vu uh, experience, and and it leaves you uh, quite stunning uh, of of, ex- of that experience. You felt feel like I, I know this person. I I. I- I know them. I've seen this person. I've met this person. I I know this person from somewhere before. Or I've been to this place before. I'm absolutely sure I, I, I can even tell you other things about it. Yeah, I've been there. In that revelation of the Word that Paul writes to Corinthians, it says every man's work will be made manifest for the day will declare it. When we have these deja vus, I think there's a message there. If anyone can go deep enough to get it, that, you know, why would I remember something like this that I, like, must have known a long time ago and I totally forgot? If that could happen in one instance, might there not be all kinds of other information that somewhere interwoven in my subconsciousness, and that would be wonderful for me to know and understand? Absolutely. How many people I run into and they tell me experiences they've had, and they're sort of ashamed to mention them in the religious cycles because they feel like, well, you know, they don't really know just how that connects. But here's how that is. There is the physical and there is the spiritual. And as I said before, there are boundaries. Now, when you take a gold and silver, quite often, it 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 would either cover tin or metal, like iron, or it would cover wood. And sometimes the wood might not be that spectacular, but it would cover it. And when it had the gold on it, it was very spectacular. So the substance of the main body of it could be of a character that were it not covered with the the sheeting of the gold or the silver uh, would look pretty (laughs) uh, not special, very much not very special. And yet there's an application for everything because in the end when an item is being manifested, it's going to manifest not just what the, the surface covering is, But what the whole depth of the whole reality is about, the whole revelation is about, the 30-fold, the 60-fold, the 100-fold, the full, total reality is going to be made known. And that is what is beautiful. And that is what is sensational. So, in this moment of of the Remedies, In this moment of sending out radiations to people, you know, sunshine is a radiation. And we've sung in even Sunday school, you know, about shining our light. That's shining radiation. Recently, as we made this trip to and back from California... Uh, my wife and I decided that we didn't want to just take the airplane, the full trip. We wanted to take uh, a train part of the way. And, uh, of course, as comparison to miles, it was <laughs> not just tremendous heavy on the miles on, on that part of it. But, it you know, was several hours of traveling. And uh, we... Uh, had to do some busing in between to go from one place for the, uh, the Union Station to get off for uh, a destination or so forth. But one of the things that we experienced and, and, and we really were touched with is being there among the down-on-the-earth people. People that were just, many of them, very poor, just regular, common, hard-working people. But we found so much compassion for one another. It, so much—a neat thing of looking into their eyes and having them look back at you, not judging, but people having compassion for other people. And uh, and I, I saw, you know, uh, you know, one time when this little, very uh, short, um, very old lady was trying to carry a bag, and 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 so when she got just right close to where I was, to, and also to her seat. And I said, can I help you put that up in the rack? And uh, it was a little bigger of a bag than really should have fit up there. And I was working with it to get it in. Another man came up, and immediately he was wanting to help to get that in. And you could see that that people were just, they were anxious to help. And we got it in. It was neat. And sometimes when people would walk to go to the, to the uh, to the toilet, uh, and the bus is moving or, or the train is jostling, uh, and they would sort of be rocking back and forth. Uh, people would always be there, reaching out their their hands and arms to to help stabilize people, and and offering to do things to to help people. And I saw compassion, mercy, caring, and love <clears throat> in those people's eyes. Maybe not love in the sense that a lot of people understand it, but a neighborly kind of love. And that's a beautiful thing. And so I think that a person might look at that and say, well, that's not on the roster, that type of thing. That's not, you know, gift of God. That's, you know, just going out there and doing your little neighborly thing. But, you know, Loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, is connected to loving your neighbor as yourself. There's more connection to these kind of things than one would ever begin to understand or or, or crystallize uh, by by just making some kind of off uh, the cuff statement. These things about a man's work uh, can be many different fold, and in the end of time, <clears throat> when God judges you, <clears throat> based on what you have and how you use what you have, whether it's intuition, whether it's premonition, deja vu's, or the psyche approach of something that you use, or being a discerner, if you use it with right intent and to help, and do not turn into a a profit uh, program or do not turn into some kind of a advantage program, but you're just genuinely, genuinely. Uh, wanting to help uh, other people, uh, you'll be judged on that. That will be manifested. The fire of reality will will prove. And many, many a time, some of these um, elements of wood, of hay, and stubble are going to come out. And they may, in the end of time, be at the top of the list and outweigh the performance of all those other glittery, shiny, Uh, supposedly pure elements so my whole revelation on this subject to you tonight is that as we are getting into deeper and deeper things of God God is going to take us into areas that are not familiar with a lot of people who have walked the streets of the Bible And they will believe that those things are not in the Bible. But just as next week I'm going to show a lot of the listeners that were hearing the message that I gave of all those outstanding uh, statements that I made, and uh, I'm going to show them how those scriptures actually are in the Bible, and they are backed by the Word of God. And it is so important... For the word of God to be opened up, it is so important for the Peace Bible to get out, and I covet your prayers. I covet your prayers that you will pray that we will be able to get this Peace Bible finished and get it out to the world. I would cannot tell you how much I would thank you uh, for your prayers uh, on that on that score, and. We do not know, except that, like that example of that movie in the water, where when love was being expressed, even the molecules of the water had a lively, enduring kind of look. But when there was negative and hatred being exhibited, the water had a different kind of transmission, different kind of feeling, and everything. Believe me, can emit uh, energy and can emit, you know, electrical communication. They're just beginning to understand this to the the, the greater extent. So, when we work on you on this with this gift of Jin Tao, Generative touch. And that is a name that is different from what you have heard. And the method is different from what you are familiar. Don't judge it based on the name, based on the style being different. I did quite a bit of Gentile while I was in California. There were several several people that I worked on with very serious conditions. And I'm very pleased at some of the miraculous outcomes. Uh, I will not get into more details on that till more time has gone by, to where we can really support, if for sure that that those were uh, actual and final uh, cases of deliverance. Uh, we don't want to just jump the gun on something until we had time to assess it. But but I'm very uh, optimistic about uh, this uh, Gentile that was done uh, during this last week. And and uh, we want to work on people tonight. Uh, but I want to just finish up this one thing with this subject of divine uh, dynamics. I believe that the divine meter of dynamics comes off of can be manifested and come through the test of fire and cannot be stripped of the love and cannot be stripped of the sincerity and cannot be stripped of the reality of intent that that is the true divine dynamic and Jesus made that clear in his style of uh, of association with people that were not record, were not recognized in the hierarchy, uh, with his um, recognition of people and their attempts to do the best that they could with what they had, Jesus was that kind of a loving, wonderful, comforting person, and that's what we want to do in these. Dynamics, These divine dynamics, we want to help you understand that there is an eternal justification. We can't judge someone for the mistakes that they make at 18 or 19 or 23 or 32 or 45 years old because there's the years before that and there's the years after that. And we don't know the beyond of that. Because there are many, many revelations uh, that apply to each person in a particular way that only can you understand if God gives you the insight to their beliefs. But this we do know: that these divine dynamics are standing ready to be poured out as the latter rain to the people of God who are willing to receive it and who are willing to say, "I want to use." the divine dynamics of God's Spirit to help people, to heal people, to deliver people, to show them the way to salvation, to show them the way to health, peace, and happiness. I want to be there standing for them and giving them words that will lift them out of the muck and the mire and the downput. So tonight, I want to concentrate on, uh, on doing Gentile for those who are fighting cancer. Cancer is such a terrible, ugly beast. It, it reminds me more than anything else of the revelation beast that came out of the sea with all the horns and, and hideousness of a dragon. It is like that. And it is claiming every day uh, some beautiful people, family, friends, people of dedication, people of light and intelligence. And we have to stand up against this horrible disease. And sometimes we have to we have to do things that Is not always accepted or understood. I'm not one of these persons that go around thinking that everybody on the planet needs to have a devil cast out of them. I'm not that type of a person. I don't believe that. Although I know there's people that, in some of the churches, and the way they handle it, that's how they handle it. I do not judge them. But that's not how I handle it. I believe, though, that there are cases in which people do have possession. And I think that those possessions have to be handled and taken care of. And one of the things that Jesus did, when he cast out the demons out of people, he specifically took the time to tell those demons, number one, to leave the body, number two, do not come back. Now I think a lot of times we have people out there who are trying to cast demons out, and they they you know feel really victorious but they don't bother to follow Jesus example in which he cast them out and then he gave them strict word blocking them so that they could not go back in many years ago the Lord revealed to me that I could bind demons in in a sphere of space for a thousand generations and um I um I know that that is something that the demons just absolutely do not want to happen. Um, but I I believe it wasn't I believe it was ten generations that I would bind them for on for ten generations. So I would tell the demons either you leave you leave right now, or you're going to leave, and you're going to be bound if you don't leave. You're going to be bound in a sphere of space for ten generations. You'll not be able to leave that space. You'll be bound there. And you'll not be able to come back into that person that you had possessed before. And so the the devils do leave. And, and recently, while I was uh, praying for someone who was very, very sick and uh, had been through all kinds of... Uh, of uh, mental uh, distresses, uh, I recognized that this person had demons. I never told the person what I was doing, but I quietly uh, began to order the demons out of this body, and uh, and uh, it wasn't just one or two or three; it was a, a torrent of them, and uh, and it came out. They came out, and uh, when that person. Was finished with uh, having received the what we call the subaddition gnosis, in which they are put into a deep slumber, and having received the the um, casting out of those demons, you could see that this the way this person looked was like, wow, what's what's happened here, what, what's what's going on, what what's happening. So I think that that's an incredible thing when people begin to see the power of God, not only to heal, but the power of God to, uh, to cast out demons. Now, some people say, oh, in this modern time, I don't believe in those kind of things. Uh, you only say that because you are ignorant of fact. But uh, if you were not ignorant of fact, you would not be saying that. Uh, there is a spiritual world, and there is a physical world. And uh, I know a lot of people out there. There's people that don't want to believe in demons. People that don't want to to believe in anything that is negative. But uh, you know, those people surely sooner or later will have a wake up call. Okay, so we're going to we're going to start dealing with with uh, persons out there that uh, you are fighting. Um, you're you're maybe aware of it. Maybe there's some of you not aware of it but there's cancer cells in your body trying to take over your body and ultimately bring you into ruination and death. And we want to come against those uh, cancer uh, cells. We want to come against the work that they're doing in, in your body to destroy you. And even if you're someone that doesn't know that you have cancer, but you are listening to this broadcast, we want to to um, pray for you also. So, try to have everything as uh, quiet as possible, uh, and be concentrating <clears throat> on the Gentile as I begin to deal with this. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary to the hypothalamus, to the thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, to the parasympathetic sympathetic neural transmission system to the cerebellum, to the white core brain tissue in the spinal column. Begin to send messages through the neurotransmitters uh, across every uh, hemisphere, frontal lobe, rear lobe, uh, down through the corpus callosum uh, to verify uh, both the down uh, uh, take and the uptake of these energies. Begin to deal now with the lymphatic system. Uh, Begin to Deal with uh, its capabilities to discern the difference between a regular body cell and a body cell that has been invaded and uh, has cancer in it. Uh, Begin to deal with it uh, by uh, educating the body and the immune system to recognize the difference uh, not in the buoyancy or the weight factor or in the fact of the uh, cell uh, not uh, being um, of a nature that is rejected by the body, but, uh, but that is accepted by the body, but not deal with those factors, but to deal with the vibration of the cell. Because there is a difference of vibration of the cell that has cancer and the cell that does not have cancer, therefore begin to uh, deal with the um, immune system uh, to become aware of the difference of this uh, of, the, of the difference of this vibration, uh, so that it can detect which cells are not normal body cells and it can begin to eradicate those cells now further understand that the immense uh, immune system must not eradicate uh, the cells of any organ um, uh, more than 30 to 40 percent uh, and that not all at once uh, but but uh, to allow for uh, the body uh, to rebuild itself. Um, I know there will be those people that will say, well, uh, only the liver remakes itself, but that's not true. Even your scalp, when you shed skin, it rebuilds itself. Same thing when you you get a flesh wound, it rebuilds itself. Uh, It's a capability that the body has. So hypothalamus to the pituitary, back on track to you now. I begin to send these messages of this vibration. Um, Begin to um, notice the vibration, uh, and begin to work on this uh, to separate the uh, from the other cells. Uh, You translate that into your vibration language, and you'll be able to use it to pinpoint uh, what is being uh, now told to you. Uh, Begin to uh, imprint this message into uh, the the messengers, into the hormones. Uh, Begin to make them uh, trans-capable of changing colors and shapes so that they are capable of fitting more than one receptor, if that is the need. Uh, Begin to deal uh, with. Sending uh, to the body for those people that are in pain, uh, loosen um, through the pituitary uh, gland uh, and begin to release uh, endorphins. Uh, uh, release endorphins also in the sensory nerves, uh, up the spinal cord pathways, uh, and those parts of the brain uh, that can be associated with uh, pain Um, uh, those parts that can be associated with pain uh, begin to uh, stimulate uh, for the lymphatic system uh, the perception perception of that pain and begin to uh, uh, understand and document in vibrations that the pain may not be coming from the exact spot uh, where the problem is but it may be transferred but there is a law of transfer and those have limitations begin to follow those laws of transfer until so you can bring that back to the source that is causing the pain uh, hypothalamus to the pituitary hypothalamus to the thyroid also for those that have pain begin to release small doses uh, as needed uh, of the dynorphine along with the endorphins uh, in small increments uh, but every day as needed uh, for the next 60 days. Uh, hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary hypothalamus to thyroid begin to uh, deal with the chemicals produced by the hypothalamus uh, to regulate the release of the hormones by the pituitary gland. Uh, b- begin to Deal with these in the sense uh, to um, cause enough excitation in the brain uh, to cause these neurotransmitters uh, to go across all the junctions and synapses uh, between the certain brain and spinal cord cells and across the body parts uh, until there is activated where there should be blockage, blockage, and activate where there should be receptors that that send the message uh, for the act of eradication. Uh, Begin these processes immediately. If there are any inhibitors, if there are any blockers, if there are any messages anti to this, they are canceled. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid, to the lymphatic, to the emphatic uh, body parts uh, coming up through the medulla and the pons to the midbrain, uh, to the thalamus, uh, to the pituitary, uh, uh, bouncing off of the cerebellum uh, and the cerebrum, uh, to the pituitary hypothalamus, to the thyroid. Uh, Begin to concentrate uh, this release upon the body. To smite these cancers, uh, those whose bodies have been ultimately extremely not ultimately but potentially ultimately and extremely deteriorated begin to draw from the from the the bone marrow and begin to make uh, stem cells uh, and then uh, copy those stem cells into the parts of the organs and the bodies that are missing uh, parts of the body parts and flesh, and begin to use those uh, <coughs> stem cells to duplicate, uh, again, uh, those cells and parts of the body. If there's any inhibitors, if there's any blockers, if there's any messages anti to this, they are canceled. Wow. Well, there we go. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I uh, thank God for the word, and I pray that these kind of Gentile services will not scare you or terrify you, but I can't, you know, help but notice that sometimes when I get into those really tough things like that, you see a few viewers sort of dot out. (laughs) I don't think that's funny, but I think that it's peculiar. May God bless you. May God keep you. May His Spirit go before you next week. Sensational teaching that will drive you right into the arms of revelation.
1: May God bless you and keep you. Amen.